Learning Daf Lamed Aleph. We're going to be starting right from the bottom of Lamed Amud Beis. Second line up, I'm Le'abai the Rav Yosef. What we're discussing is the nature of the din that before somebody goes into the Azara, they're supposed to immerse, they're supposed to be tovel. So we had different approaches to it yesterday. We saw Machokas, the Saiti between Ben Zayma and Rabbi Yehuda about why it has to be done. According to Ben Zayma, it's a Daraisa. Learned up, it's a Kavachaymer from the Shinuyim, from the changes that are made by the Kohen Gadol in Kippur. Because the Kohen Gadol, each time that he changes his clothing and he's going to change the focus of his Avodah in Kippur, so he has, to, he has to immerse himself in a mikvah. So Ma'amashana from Kodesh to Kodesh requires Tefillah. Certainly, somebody's coming from his house and he's coming into the Beis Mitzvah certainly requires Tefillah. That was Benzoma, according to Benzoma, it's a Mitzvah Daraisa. It seems like to go to the mikvah before coming to the Azar. Rabbi Yudah's opinion was that it's a Drabana. The Drabana was, we really want to make sure that people aren't going to come in when they're Tameh. And uh, they might theoretically have become Tameh and forgotten about it. But if we tell them to go to the mikvah, so we put them in the mode of thinking about Tumah, so maybe they'll recall some sort of old Tumah that they had before. And when they're going to the mikvah, they'll realize it. And then they might not even be able to go in after they went to the mikvah because they're going to need Harav Shemesh. But the point is that they recall some sort of old Tumah Yishana. We also saw yesterday that not everybody agrees. We learned on other prices that it seems that not everybody is, uh, is not, not everybody agrees that there is such a halach that you have to go to the mikvah before you get into the azar. Some tanam hold, some tanakamas maybe, that there's no such halacha. Maybe specifically a mitzora on the eighth day should go in, even though he immersed on the seventh day because he's so steeped in the tumah that he's been used to. But maybe regular people actually don't. That was pretty much what we learned about yesterday. So now the Gemara continues on the Rav Yosef. Rabbi Yehuda, the Amr's Huzu, according to Rabbi Yehuda, that the only reason why you're going in is to remind, remind you that possibly you might be Tommy from before. So the Gemara Claire is, So is there a Dino Chatzitza or is there not a Dino Chatzitza? So what's the question? It's a real interesting question in terms of the way the Rabbanans are made. The Dino Chatzitza normally is that there can't be anything that's blocking a person's body and the water. So just to clarify the Dino Chatzitza so we can understand it a little bit better. When a person goes to the mikvah and he has a Chatzitza, you know, let's say he has some. Uh, some paint that's stuck onto his finger, something that, that, that he definitely want, doesn't want there. So we say, oh, it's no good. He has to go to the mikvah again, generally. It's not the pshat that he didn't go into the water, right? It's not like chatzitza, it's like an intuitive svara, that if a person goes to the mikvah when there's a chatzitza, then he didn't go to the mikvah. Really, he went to the mikvah. Ah, there was a little bit of paint that was blocking between his finger and the water. And the answer is that the paint would be bottled to the body. Generally, generally we would see that overall, uh, it would be bottled to the body, or perhaps we would say that who says every part of your body has to touch the water? It's not necessarily an intuitive thing that chatzitza invalidates a tvila. Chatzitza is a din. Chatzitza is a law which is learned from a pasuk, and we learn as a tafel of sar has to be has to be 100% touching the water. If there's anything that's interposing between the body and the water, there's a din of chatzitza. So it's like kind of like the way I think of it. It's like there's a halacha go into the water, and then there's an added halacha on top of that that the way that you enter into the water has to be without anything interposing. But it's not like you can't separate the din of going to the mikvah from chatzitza. You could go to the mikvah and you went to the mikvah, just you went with the chatzitza. Generally, the halacha is going with the chatzitza is invalid. You have to go again, but you definitely went. There was a bias mayim. There was a fundamental entry into the water despite the fact that there was a chatzitza. So what the Gemara is trying to understand here is that since the nature of this din fila, like Rabbi Yudah, is only with the so maybe there's no problem of chatzitza. That's the Gemara Shailah. Maybe the Rabbanon were lenient, chatzitz, or maybe the Rabbanon were not lenient. They treated it like a regular din fila, which where chatzitza is a problem. Or in the chatzitz, maybe there's no din of chatzitza. Since it's only with the Rabbanon, we can therefore be makel, and even if there is something interposing between the body and the water, it still is valid. So Amalei, 
Rabbi Yosef told the Bible, what are you talking about? Kol, talking about Rabbanon. You're right that it's only with Rabbanon, and sometimes there's room for leniency. But whenever Rabbanon is talking something, they do it in a way that's parallel to the Daraisa. Shusha says, that's Daraisa, there's a din of Chatzitza. So too, a din that's only with Rabbanon. The Rabbanon instituted it with the law of Chatzitza, and therefore, if there is something interposing, then the Chatzitza is invalid and it does not count. Continues the Gemara, another question. If you enter in a partial way into the Azara, is that considered coming in? Or is that not considered coming in? So what does the Gemara want to know? In, 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 ter- in what terms? Like, what we want, is it considered coming in? So we want to know, is it considered coming in that it requires a tefillah? That's our question. We're saying that before you come in to the base of Mikdash, it requires a tefillah. Okay, fine, we can understand it requires a tefillah. What about if I'm not fully coming in? I'm only going to be sticking in a partial part of my body, my body, not the full body. So what's the state of the question? Let's like maybe back it up a little bit. Is coming in partially to the Azar considered coming in or is it not coming in? Maybe we should ask that. <laughs> if it's coming in, then you probably should go to the mikvah. If it's not coming in, you probably don't have to. What, what, what's the Gemara's question and why is it only in Rebuda? So it seems that in the Gemara, the, the idea is that it definitely is considered coming in. And if the din of tefillah would be daraisa, it seems like the Gemara would have no question. Definitely you should be tovelin. But the question is that since it, if you go like Rabbi Yehuda, that it's only, it's only a din to Rabbanan, that perhaps you have a Tomei Yishana that you forgot about, then we can be more lenient with Biyab and Mikzaz. And why would that be? So it happens to be that in, in Mesachah Zavachim, there's one opinion, Ravina holds, that Biyab and Mikzaz doesn't have a Kari's punishment. Regular full entry of Bio in your Tomei has Kari's. But if you only stick part of your body in when you're talking, there's only a lav. Maybe that's what's behind the Gemara. It's unclear. It's like an interesting kind of svar that Gemara is saying. Be a bemixas, since it's only bemixas, maybe the Rabbanon were more lenient. Maybe the Rabbanon said that you didn't need the tefillah yishana. You didn't need the tefillah to remember the old Tumah. So the Gemara says, What are you talking about? The Bahonos of the Mitzorah, the Mitzorah, remember, stands in the Shah Nikanar, and he sticks in. He sticks in the thumbs into the Azara and they apply the blood of the Asham there. That's only Biyab and Mikzaz. He's not putting his whole body into the Azara. He's only putting his limb, that, that, that thumb, into the Azara. The Tanya, we still learned in the Brides yesterday, Mitzara Tovah Volvim Mishara Nikonar. Mitzara has to immerse himself and then, and then, and the, and then be in the Shara Nikonar in order to stick his hands and feet into the Azara. So we see that the immersion, and this is where Behuda's point, remember we had a whole steer about Mitzara on the eighth day, but this was the Brides that, that was saying that a Mitzorah, um, that a Mitzorah on the eighth day does have to be tovel before he's going to go and stick his hands and thumbs in, his, his, his hands and feet in. So what we see is that even Bia B'mixas does in fact warrant a parsh, uh, does in fact warrant a tefillah. Okay. Says the Gemara, third question. Could a person make a really long knife and shacht? So what's the question? Could I make a really long, a really long um, knife and shacht? So generally, avoda has to be done inside the azar. Not only does avoda have to be done inside the azar, usually Allah is the coin has to be in the azar as well. It's not only that the mice has to be done there, but the physical location of the person who's performing the mice also has to be there. But shechita is not that way. The Gemara assumes this to be true, because this is what we, is learned up in Zvachim, that a person does not have to be standing in the azar to make a shechita. Shechita has to be in the azar, but the sheikh doesn't have to be in the azar. So how does that work? The answer is you have a really long knife, Animals in the Azara, the knife slaughters it in the Azara, but the person where his feet are planted is outside of the Azara. Umar talks about that scenario in Zvachim, that's completely kosher. The Shaila is, if a person is doing such a thing, does he have to immerse? Right? The whole din of the tefillah 
is to come into the Azara, like we said. Here, I'm doing an avoda in the Azara, but my physical location is outside the Azara. So is that Mechaiv Tvila or is that not Mechaiv Tvila? So here the Gemara breaks it down. If you buy the Benzoma, you buy the Rabbanu You could declare according to Benzoma. Benzoma was the one, remember, who held that there was a Dindo or Isa to be Tovel because you're being Mishana, Mitadusha, Lukadusha, Fingum Kippur. Or you could declare according to the Rabbanan who argued Rabbi Huda. The Rabbanan, this is what we're talking about. There was the Rabbanan's Rabbi from the Brai, so yesterday, who said that generally a person doesn't have to be told before they come into the Azara. It was only the Mitzora who was so steeped in Tumah. So we want to clarify according to Benzoma, and we want to clarify question according to the most lenient opinion. So basically, we want to clarify according to the most Mekel, that no, generally there's no Dinfila, and the most Machmer, that there's, there's a Dinfila even Darais. Even according to Ben Zoma, who says that there's a Dindaraisa, maybe that's only when you're actually, you personally are coming in. Have a Livarai, but if you are going to be outside, lo, there's no Din. So we're declaring that even though you're going to bring, you're going to be extending the knife into the Azar and you're shafting the Maisa is inside the Azar, maybe if your physical, physical location is outside the Azar, then there's no need. There's no need to go to tefillah because, after all, you are not going to be in the Azar. So it's not, you can't learn that from the Kabbalah Chaymer, from the Kohen Gadol Yom Kippur. Then Kohen Gadol Yom Kippur is being Mishan, Mik Kodesh to Kodesh. He's going in from one Makam Kodesh to another Makam Kodesh. Here, you're never going to be in the Makam Kodesh. So maybe you don't have to do it. Maybe Ben Zora, Ben Zoma would require tefillah because he might come to be drawn after his knife. It's, you know, it's interesting to be standing here and having your knife and doing, doing the Maisa there. The animal's there. It's, it's a little tricky. So you might come to be drawn after where the location of the knife is, where the Maisa is taking place. You might come in, and therefore it does warrant the tefillah. That's the Shiloh according to Ben Zoma. And you could clear the Shiloh according to the most lenient opinion, who says that there's really no din, even with Rabbanon, to ever be tovel. The whole din is only a Mitzorah who's steeped in Tama. Maybe the Rabbanon only say it, that it's not required generally because you're not doing any Avodah. We just say, if you're just coming in, you don't have to. If you're just like a spectator. But here that you're doing an Avodah, and even though Shechita isn't you know, the most grand Avodah and it's kosher bizarre, so on and so forth, but you're still shechting a Karban. One of the hard paradoxes in Kachim is whether we actually consider Shechita to be an Avodah on some level or we don't. In this context, the Gemara says, the Ka'avid Avodah, so maybe, therefore, we should say, how could you do it without going to the mikvah? Lo, the Rabbanim would not allow to do shechita without doing an avodah. So here, the Gemara just like pops out of nowhere. We were struggling with this a little bit yesterday. It comes back today. And maybe if you're doing an avodah, it's machayv, it's machayv, it's filah. Where did that come from? There's a source for such a thing? Is it, there's no source be'etzim that it didn't have avodah, it's machayv. No one was saying that. Even though the most machmer opinion was saying, mishinim in makam kodesh. Here we're just saying maybe there's a svara out there that if they're doing an avodah maybe there should be be a tefillah. It's not that clear where that svara is coming from. Maybe there's no difference. You are doing an avodah, you're not doing an avodah, and according to the rabbanon that there's no din of tefillah to come to the base of mikdash. Generally, there wouldn't be a din here. So the gemara says, take it. We leave that question unresolved. Now, what's fascinating about this past gemara is that the gemara didn't declare it according to Rabbi Yehuda. The gemara declared it according to Ben Zoma that it's a daraisa. The gemara declared it according to the rabbanon to Rabbi Yehuda that there's no din generally to be tovel. But Rabbi Yehuda's opinion that there's a din mid to be tovel, so that you remember about, about an old Tumah, the Gemara didn't clear. The Gemara cleared according to the, the most machmer and the most mekel. Rabbi Yehuda presumably would fit into these sadam as well somewhere. That's probably why the Gemara didn't bring it up. Okay, and that's the end. Take We leave these questions unresolved and we leave, just walk out with those, that conclusion in the sugya that there are three opinions about the nature of the din tefillah, ben toma to darais, rabbi yudah to rabbanon to misrach toma, and we have the rabbanon to rabbi yudah who hold that there's actually no din tefillah uh, before you come into the azar.
So now we go back to the Mishnah. The Mishnah said, The Kohen Gadol used to do five different tefillot on Yom Kippur and ten Kiddush and Avraglam. And again, what are, the, the idea is that every time he switches his clothing, there's a tefillah and two Kiddush and Avraglam. So Tana Rabbanu, we learn in the right, so Hamish Tefillah, Vasar Kedushin, Tova, Kohen Gadol, Mekadesh, Boba Yom. Kohen Gadol does five different immersions, and ten Kedush Yadam Raglaim on Yom Kippur. B'Kulan Ba'Kodesh, all of them are done in the Kodesh, in the Azara, the Beza Parva, in the Beza Parva. So that's in the, it was in the, the southern part of the Azara. And actually the Beza Parva had a din of Kedushas Azara. Tosa struggles exactly to how to understand it, because generally we learn in the Gemara, M'sachem Daf that Gagin va'alios lo nizkadshu. Usually, the, we don't assume that the rooftops or the, um, the walls, like on the top, the, the, the top of the, the wall, would have kedushas. So Those are struggles to understand how exactly this base apartment did have kedusha, but evidently it did. And it's important that the that the tefilos that the Kohen Gadol are, are doing on Yom Kippur have a din ba'kodesh. Chutz mirishon, except for the first one, shayis ba'chol, that could be done in a place that didn't have kedusha because the first one is just like the regular din tefila that we're talking about. It's not part of the avodah Yom Kippur. Al-Gabi Sharmaim, which is done on top of the Sharmaim, which is again, this was on, on was on the southern side as well. Um, and it it, it, it it was another mikvah that was located there. But Saad Lishka so Haisa, it was next to his Lishka, it was next to where he had a Lishka there. And the Gemara, remember, if you remember, there was, there was different possibilities based off Tinas, Lishka's Farhedrin, which exactly is the Lishka that we're talking about. It's a little bit confusing. We learned back a little bit ago. But at any rate, there was another mikvah there. Uh, where he would go for the first one. So Amar Abayi Shmuel, you know what we see from here? In an etam, in etam, kavua bekarka azara esem mishalish amos. The in etam, which is the source of the water, basically the base of was not the highest point. It was built like the Gemara describes it, like a shoulder to the body. It was almost at the highest point of Yerushalayim, but there was a little bit of a highest point, and in etam was the highest point, and there was a source of water. There was a stream of water which would flow down, and that that was where the mikvah's water was coming from. So in Etam must be 23 amos higher than the floor of the Azar, meaning that's how much higher these mikvahs are going up. Why? Where do we see this? It's not. We live in the Meshachalab, Zacham, Shayusham, all the gates that are in the Azar, that are in the base of Mikdash, they're all 20 amos high and 10 amos wide. So, Chutz Mishal Ulam, except for the Ulam, which was a little bit bigger. So then we're assuming that the Shar Hamayim, where the mikvah was on top of, must be 20 amos high, right? It's 20, it's above the it's above the Shar, right? The Shar Ma'im is again, they bring in the Nisa Ha'ma'im and Sukkot through that gate. And we're talking about on top of the Shar, so you have like a cutout, you know, of a doorway. On top of that Shar is where the mikvah is. So the source of the mikvah is up there. So, the, 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 so, so we know that the gate has a, has a height of 20 Amos. Okay, what does that have to do with 23 Amos? Vitanya, we learned in the Rites of Arachas, Basara, we know that the din of the mikvah is that you should wash his flesh underwater by Ma'im. It may mikvah, it means may mikvah, natural water, not ma'im she'uvim. That drasha be may mikvah, according to many Rishonim, is a source that if you draw the water, if you gather it in Kalim and fill up the mikvah that way, it's actually midaraisa, not a kosher, not a kosher mikvah. Kol besaro, all of his flesh, ma'im she'kol kufa What that means is that there has to be water, enough water that the whole body is able to fit inside at one time. Kamehain, how much water is that? So Chazal measure it to be ama ama berum shalosh amos. The volume is one ama by one ama by the height of three amos. Veshiyah chachamim neimikvah abam saw the rabbanon determine. Remember maybe from sachem some of the calculations to figure that out. The bottom line is the chachamim determined that that's forty saw. So what are we saying? It's one ama by one ama by three amos high. That is the total height of a mikvah. So a mikvah has to be three amos high. 
So bottom line is, if we know that the gate's ways of, let's say, for example, Shar HaMayim is 20 amos high, the mikvah is on top of the Shar HaMayim, and the mikvah itself, to fit the 40 saw, has to be, it would be about one amma by one amma by three amos high. That re- brings you to a total of 23 amos. So we're saying the Ain Etam, which is the source of the water, it flows into the mikvah, it's got to be 23 amos higher than the floor of the Azara. That's the point. And again, the base of Mikdash is built like this, like the human body, like it's like the neck and the body, where it's like there's a little bit more to go. That's what we're saying. How much is the discrepancy? There must be 23 amos difference between the floor of the Azara and Ain Etam, which is the source of water for the mikvah. So the Gemara asks, top of the Ahmed Beis, amas amas ma'aziva. What about the Amma thick ceiling over the, um, like the ceiling over the gateway? And then the amethic, like sort of pavement under the mikvah, the Gemara is assuming here that they made this way, that the floor of the mikvah, we had to have some sort of thick pavement, you know, some sort of concrete, which was poured. And the reason was you don't want any water dripping out from this mikvah. That's the point. You want to have, you're going to have some heavy pavement. So they would make the, the ceiling of the, of the shar one thick, and then they would have the pavement one thick. That's the, just the assumption the Gemara is making. So basically, we have a mikvah. You want to make sure there's no water that's going to drip out. So you're going to make some really thick cement kind of, you know, bottom to the mikvah, which the Gemara thinks should take up an amma. If you think about it, that's very thick. And then to support that whole amma of thick cement, we have to make that the ceiling is not so thin. We have to make that the ceiling is thicker so that it can hold and support that amma bottom of the mikvah. So now we think we should have two more amos of height in order to make this work. So the Gemara says, no, it's not true. When the gates of the base of Mikdash, they were made of marble, which the Mishnah Midos describes. So if they were made of marble, so then they were able to do it with only a mashahu. So this is just like based on, based on the Metzias. Marble, even a very tiny, it's like, it doesn't, What's so cool about marble, like, that's why they do it with counters, all right? I think it, it, there's no holes. It's like the coolest thing, right? You never go, that's the point of it. So, so that's why we're saying, you, the whole reason why you're assuming there's two extra amos is because of the seeping of the water out from the mikvah. You don't want it to drip. You're just making a marble. So then it can be tiny mashus. Then you don't have the whole thick cement ama, and then you don't need the whole extra weight and the support in the ceiling. So boom, there was basically none of that, and that's why it was only 23. So the Gemara asks, there's got to be a tiny amount, meaning there's still got to be a floor for a mikvah and a tiny amount for the ceiling. I don't know how thick it is, but there's got to be a tiny amount, meaning the interior of the gateway is 20 amos. You still have something for the ceiling. It's got to take up some space and something for the, for the floor of the mikvah. So how are you counting at 23 amos? It should be 23 and some additional amount. So the Gemara answers, you're right, it's true, but Kivan Delahavi Amsa, if that additional amount did not end up being an Amal, Abai did not count it. Abai was only counting in full Amas. So Abai was noting that the discrepancy from the floor of the Azara till Ain Etam must be 23 Amas. Obviously, you're right, it's 23 point something as well, but if it didn't, um, uh, didn't amount to an Amal, Abai didn't count it. So that's the Gemara Vaita. Parsu Sadin Shoputz. It said, right, there was privacy for the Kohen Gadol when he went to the mikvah here on top of the Shahar Mayim. So they would spread a linen sheet. So the Mar says, My Shoputz, like, why do we care that it's linen? Well, why, why, why is that significant? Who cares what material it is? So the Mar answers, Kedamar Afghan, it's like Rav Kahana told us regarding another Mishnah. We're going to learn this a little bit later. They wanted the Kohen Gadol to know, to realize, be cognizant that all of the Avodah has to be done with linen. In other words, the special avodos of Yom Kippur, the arba begadim that he's wearing, the white begadim, have to be made of linen. So there's like extra, 
um, things that we do to remind the Kohen Gadol that things have to be linen. We want him to be moderate. Normally, he's not doing that. So therefore, we bedavka, we bedavka make sure that the, the sheet is linen to remind him. I don't fully understand the, uh, the point of this, you know? Like, maybe, maybe he would forget and not put on the right one. Not so sure. And it's also, we do this now, just to bring out the point, even before he's putting on the big day love. Right? It's not like, oh, when you're about to go put on the big day lava, and then we do that. Right? He's not about to go put on the big day lava. He's not about to do that with the Kippur yet. We're gonna say, he's going to put on the Shemona Begadim first. He's going to be doing some of the regular avodas. But it's to get him to feel Yom Kippur. What? The spirit of the day. Yeah, you want him to feel Yom Kippur now? So that's why it's a linen sheet. Okay, continues the Mishnah. Pashat Yarat Betavahal. So now, okay, he takes off Pashat means he takes off his clothing. What clothing is he wearing right now? This is important to get what? Exactly. Regular, ordinary clothing. Whatever clothing he was wearing when he was given the shirim through the night, right? So Pashat, he takes off those clothing. Yarad, he goes to the mikvah betavel. He tovel Allah. He comes up in his tapak and he dries, he dries himself. Okay. Well, what's the point of this uh, in his tapak? Just practical? Okay. They would bring him now the big day zav. Big day zav means the regular shmona begadim. But lavash, he puts them on. The key they shot of aglav. He's makadish his hands and his feet. So the way the Tana, we're going to see this is important in the Gemara. So far, how many kiddush adayim v'raglayim has he done? One. It seems like there was no kiddush adayim v'raglayim, but when he took off his clothing, it's just what happens is he takes off his regular clothing. He's tovel. He puts on his big day zav, and then he's makadish his hands and feet once. That's what our Tana says. Then they bring him the carbon tamid. This is the first avoda now of the day. Kratzo. Kratzo means he makes an incision. The point of kratzo is that it's not a full shechita. We'll see in the Gemara what exactly the point is. How much of the shechita is the Kohen Gadol doing? And why isn't he completing it? We'll see in the Gemara. So he makes this incision. Then another coin comes and he finishes it. Like laharik is like to finish it off. So he finishes off the shechita. Now he, meaning who... The Kohen Gadol is Makabal the Dam, Uzarko, and then he goes and he does this Rika. He does this Rika on the Mizbeach. Now it seems like the Kohen Gadol has to be the one who's doing the who's doing the Avoda the Tamid, even though the Tamid is not part of the Avoda Sayom, a special unique to Yom Kippur. But it seems like it has to be done by him. That's uh, that, that's the impression we get from the Mishnah. We'll see may, maybe more about that. Now we see Nicholas Ha'Atzer He goes to burn the morning Kedoras. Not the Yom Kippur Katoris. We are not talking about going with Naiv and Lifnim right now. We're talking about he's still wearing the days off. He's doing the regular, ordinary routine of every regular Katoris during the day. He's going to the, to the, to the regular Inermas Bach. Well, hey, Tavasaneris, he does Hatavasaneris. What's Hatavasaneris? Remember, it's Machlokas Rishonim. Some Rishonim hold Hatavasaneris means that he would clean out the lamps and prepare them, like take out the ash, prepare their wicks, so on and so forth. The other Rishonim, the Ramam holds that Hatavasaneris means he actually lit the menorah in the morning. What else would he do? He would offer the head and the limbs. Head and the limbs of what? This is talking about from the limbs of the Tumit. He would be putting them, the morning Tumit limbs, on the Marocha, on the outer Mizbech. Remember, that's the daily Mincha that the Kohen Gadol brings every single day. And the wine, the wine libation that he would pour on the Mizbech um, together with the carbon Tumit. Okay, now we just talk about a little bit more about the Ketores. Ketores, Shoshach, the Ketores in the morning, when was it brought? It was brought between the Dam, between the Zrika of the carbon Tamid and the burning of the limbs. That's when the Ketores was done. But in the afternoon, 
it was done. It was done between the Avarim and the Nisachim. So we have a different, uh, a different time time when it comes. In the morning, it's before the limbs are burned. In the afternoon, it's after the limbs are burned. And again, we'll see in the Gemara. We'll derive this from Sukkim why it changes when you do the Gitar. So it kind of looks like it's accompanying on some level the Tamid. But is it before? Before the Avarim are burned and after this Rika, or after the Avarim are burned, but before the Nesachim is poured. That's the discrepancy, and we'll see in the Gemara about that. Then we go back to the Kohen Gadol here. Imaya Kohen Gadol, Zakano Istanis. This Kohen Gadol is an old, or Stam is an Istanis, right? So, so the idea is, you know, he doesn't want the, 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 the cold water, the mikvah, he's scared of the cold, right? It's not good for him. So what do we do? Mechamen we can heat up hot, hot water for him. And Rashi explains that you can't heat up hot water on Yom Kippur. That's forbidden. But it means we must have heated up the hot water from before. But what we do is that we pour it on Yom Kippur into the cold water. Why are we doing that? In order that the water should lose the tzina. The cold of the water should go away. That it should make it more uh, easier for him to go to the mikvah. Okay, great. So now the Gemara analyzes. There was a group of Rabbanan who were learning in front of Rabbanan. And they said they were learning our Mishnah. Again, what did our Mishnah say? Just remember this. That when he undressed and he took off his regular clothing, there was no Kiddush time for at all. Then he put, he, after the mikvah, when he put on his new clothing, the first time he's putting on Big Day Kuna today, that's when he makes one Kiddush time for So we said, Hadulok Rameir. That our Mishnah, which is only one Kiddush Adan Raglaim, initially is only, is, only, is only like the Rabbana, not like Rameir. Dik Rameir, if you go like Rameir, Kivan Damar Trey Kiddush Alavisha Avaluhu. If Rameir holds that the Kohen Gadol does two Kiddush Adan Raglaim, on the levisha of, of the, of the big day kuna, hachanami, liavitre kedusha levisha, so to hear you should do ku kiddush adayim vagliams in this first set. So what is the Gemara talking about? So we have to know some background, very, very important background information here. There's a machlokas that's coming up in the Mishnah on Lamedal and Amid Beis. Let's just talk not on step one. Put picture step two. The Kohen Gadol was wearing his, his big days off. He's already wearing big days off and he's finishing and he's going to switch now into his big day love. What, let's walk through that process. So he's going to be taking off holy clothing, immersing and putting on new holy clothing. That's the question. So when, what, what exactly is the, and everybody agrees that there are two Kiddush Adayim Raglimes that are going to happen at this stage, but where are they placed? That's the question. Where are they placed? How exactly does that work? So according to the Rabbanon, he's Mekadesh one now before he takes off his holy clothing. So first, the Kiddush Raglaim is he's still going to be wearing, let's say, at that step, his big day Zav. He's going to be Mekadesh and Raglaim. Then he's going to take it off. Then, then, right? So he's Mekadesh and then he takes it off. According to Rabbanon, one Kiddush Raglaim is on the Pshita. Then he's going to take it off. He's going to immerse. He's going to put on the new ones and he's going to be Tovah. That's the point that, that, the Rab, that, that the Rabbanon make. Rameir says no, that he removes them and he does not Mekadosh Yadayim Raglayim before he removes them. He removes them and then he's Mekadosh Yadayim Raglayim. Everybody agrees that there's a second Kiddush Yadayim Raglayim that he has after he's wearing the new set. But the question is, what's the first Kiddush Yadayim Raglayim? According to the Rabbanon, when is it done? Before he's Paishet, the old ones that he's wearing. According to our mayor, it's done after he's paishet. Okay? So the Gemara is assuming, what's the, what's the lumdis? What's the machlekes? The machlekes is, what is mechay of the Kiddush Adayim Veraglayim? According to the Rabbanon, one of the Kiddush Adayim Veraglayims is on the pshita, on the very act of undressing from the big day kuhuna, that is mechay of a washing of the hands and the feet. 
So therefore, according to the Rabbanon, that it's Machayev, that you, you're going to wash the Kiddush Adam Raglan before you undress. And in our Mishnah, when you're still wearing ordinary clothing, then it makes sense that there's not going to be a Kiddush Adam Raglan. Why? Because you're wearing ordinary clothing. When you're being Paishit, big day, oh no, then there's a din that you, would kiddush, you do Kiddush Adam before you undress them. It's like in the Rabbanon, it's a din. The removal of the big day kuna is Machayev, Kiddush Adam Raglan, and the wearing of the big tikkun is also. So in a regular time, when you're switching between holy and holy, so you do Kedush Adam and then you're Paishit, and then you are Tovel, and you put on the new one, and you do another Kedush Adam Then in the Rabbanan and our mission would make sense. There's not going to be Kedush Adam before you take off your ordinary clothing. He's just going to put on regular clothing and do one Kedush Adam now. That's going to be the Rabbanan. But if you go like Rameir, we the Mar thinks right now that Rameir holds that the Levisha is Machayev too. One before and one after. That's the Yisaita for the Machlokas, Rameir and the Rabban. Rameir holds there's one before you put on the Big Day Kuna and one after you put on the Big Day Kuna. So here, who cares that you're wearing ordinary clothing? There should still be two. There should be one before you put on the Big Day Kuna and one after you put on the Big Day Kuna. That's what the Gemara is assuming. When you say according to Rameir before you put on the Big Day Kuna, it's also before you're Tovel too, right? Right. Okay. Very good. So that's the Gemara's question here. If the Mishnah could stim like Rameir. So the Gemara answers, responds, No, you got the Lumdus wrong. Everybody agrees that Kiddush Adayim Veraklayim is only based on the Pshita of Big Day Kodesh. Even Rameir agrees that the first Kiddush is done only when you take off holy clothing. And therefore in our Mishnah, there's only going to be one, not two. Rameir would concede. I then why is Rameir saying that it comes after you took it off and not before you took it off? The answer is We're looking at two psukim. It says So we have a hekish between the pshita and levisha. We compare the kiddush for the removal of the big day kodesh to the to the washing that we do for the Levisha. Judges, when you're putting on the new ones, the Kohen Gadol does what? He first puts them on, and then he's Makadosh Adam Raglayim, meaning everybody holds that the second one is done after he's wearing the new set. So, show too, the Kiddush that you're doing out the removal of Big Day Kodesh, the way you do it is first you remove it, and then you're Makadosh, your hands and feet. So it's definitely coming out the fact that you're removing the, the, the big day kuna. For a mayor has a hackish that says that just as by the Levisha, it's Levish, they show to you by the Pshita, it's Peshit, So it's a little bit weird. You take off the clothing and then you wash your hands and feet, but you're doing it for what? For what you just did. See, just as the Levisha, you first are Levish and then you wash. So to hear the Pshita, you take it off and then you wash. It's a little bit funny because by the Levisha, it makes sense that it's afterwards because then you're wearing it. Right? The pshita, once you took it off, it's like you're totally disconnected from that mice now. You're not continuing to take it off, right? By levisha, it makes sense. You're loivish vachin mikadish, because then you are wearing it. The mice like, it, it, it exists. By the pshita, it's a little bit funny. You're doing it because you're taking it off, but you do it after you take it off. The pshita is mechaev, that after you take off the big tehuno, you wash your hands and feet. That's Rabbi Meir's opinion. Rabbanan Savri, just the opposite. Makish Pshita Levisha. You make Akash between Pshita and Levisha. Ma Levisha Kushu Lavush Mekadesh. Just as Bashas Levisha. The Kiddish comes when you are wearing them the second time. Af Pshita Kushu Lavush Mekadesh. Show to the Kiddish Adayim Raglaim that you do for the removal of Big Dekuna, you do while you are still wearing them. So what is the Machlokas Rameir and the Rabbanan? Everybody agrees that the concept is that removal of Big Day Kuna requires Kiddush Shavar and the Levisha of Big Day Kuna requires Kiddush Shavar That's the fundamentals. Tvarim Shut. 
And that's why our Mishnah, for example, is Lakuleyama. Because in our, in our Mishnah, where you're removing not Big Day Kuna, but regular clothing, Rabbi Meir's going to agree you don't need a, a Kedusha Dain Raglaim on, 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 on the removal because it's not Big Day Kuna. The Machlekes is the timing of the washing for the removal. The Rabbi Meir says that we're Makash to Levisha, Malavisha, it's a Levisha, and then Kiddush, Shotu here, it's Pshita, and then Kiddush. So you do it after you take off the clothing. And the Rabbanan say, no, just as a levisha, you do it while you're wearing, so to the pshita, you should do the, you should do the washing of the hands and feet while you're still wearing the clothing. Okay, is that clear? Fine, so we're coming out now, we've defended that our Mishnah could be like Rabbi Meir. If you're taking off regular clothing for the first time now to change into Big Dekuna, there's only going to be one Kiddush, and it's going to be when? After you put on the Big Day Kuhuna, then there's going to be just that one initial washing. But, the, but a, a, a washing for taking off here, you're not going to have. So the Gemara pushes back. Could you say like this, that Rameir concedes over here, that the first time you, you were Toivel, there's only one kid that should die for a but look at this brisa. What does it say in the brisa? They spread a linen sheet between the kohen gadol and the people. Pashat, he goes to the mikvah. Yarad, Pashat, he takes off his clothing. Yarad, he goes to the mikvah of Tavol. He immerses himself. All of his topic, he comes and dries himself. Avilu, big day zav. They bring him the golden clothing. The big day, the big day, uh, the shmona begadim. Volavash, and he and he puts them on. Vikhi the shadav raglav, and he's mikalish his hands and feet. That is the Tanakama. That's exactly what the Mishnah said. But in the Brisa, we see a dissenting view of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir Omer, I disagree. Pashat, he undresses. Again, undresses what? Regular clothing. V'kidish yodavaraglav, he's makadish, his hands and feet. Yorad, he goes to the mikvah v'tavah and he immerses himself. Olav and Estabeg, he comes up and he dries himself. They bring him the Shemona Begadim and he puts them on. V'kidish yodavaraglav, and then he's makadish, his hands and feet a second time. So here we're going to such great lengths to defend that the Mishnah could be like Rameir. And Rameir agrees that the first time there's only one washing in the hands and feet, not two. Yet here it says in the Brisa, as explicit can be, as can be, that Rameir disagrees. According to Rabbi Meir, the first time the Kohen Gadol is putting on Begadim today, he is two Kiddush Adayim Varaglimes. One is after he takes off his ordinary clothing, before he goes to the mikvah, and the second one is after he puts on the Big Day Kuna, he has a second Kiddush Adayim Varaglime. And clearly we see that everything we said was mamish wrong. The pshat and the machlokes Rameir and the Rabbonin is not in the timing for the Kiddush Adayim Varaglime on the pshita. That's not the machlokes. The machlokes is in the real fundamentals. Why do you wash your hands twice? What's the pshat? Why is there two Kiddush Adayim Varaglimes? The Rabbanan say one for the Pshita of Big Day Kuna and one for the Levisha of Big Day Kuna. That's why the Rabbanan say the first time that you're just taking off regular clothing is only one. That's our mission. Rameir says, no, there is two washing of the, of the hands and feet for the Levisha of Big Day Kuna. One is before you, you go to the mikvah to put them on and one is after you're wearing them. So therefore, according to our mayor, does it make a difference if it's the first time or the second time? No. They're, both of them are coming out the Levisha. So even here on step one, where you've been wearing previously Big Day Chol, it doesn't make a difference. The bottom line is the Levisha Big Day Kuna is Machayev too. One before you go to the mikvah and one after you're wearing them. So even here in stage one, Rabbi Meir is going to have them. So it's just so funny. We like completely missed the point because in the Brisa it says exactly not that way. So Amalui comes back. Itanya, if it says it in a Brisa, Tanya, it says it in a Brisa. What does that mean to say? He means to say, you know what? I concede you're totally right. But if you notice in the language, he's pushing back. He's saying, you may be right that that's the truth. And I agree with you that's the truth, that according to Rameir, you, you do it twice. But I wasn't saying anything that was wrong. I was saying a glata svar, that in the analysis of the Rameir and from the Mishnah later, 
thinking, what would he say about tefillah one? I was saying a good svar. Lamaisa, you're right, and you prove from the bride so that Rameir is machayev too for the for the uh, for the wearing, and that's why lahalacha it's talking not true. Rameir is saying that you're going to have to. But what I was saying was sound and svar. <laughs> so if it wouldn't be for this new evidence, I would have been right. But lamaisa, it's not true. So the maskon of the Gemara, it sounds like what is the machlekes of Rameir and the Rabbanon? Why we wash twice? According to Rameir, both are out to levisha, one before the immersion and one after you're wearing. According to Rabbanon, one is for the pshita and one is for the levisha. And the big nafkamina that we're looking at is step one: is there one kiddush adam raglaim or is there two? According to Rameir, there's going to be two, and according to the Rabbanon, there will only be one. That's what it would seem like, and we'll stop here for today. Now we just have to think about. It. You could already start playing this out in your mind. How are you going to get ten? There are five steps. According to Rameir, there's two in step one. According to Rabbanon, there's one. How are they each going to have ten kiddush adayim for aglimes? Basically, what's going to happen in the last step? You can already start playing that out now. Kind of foreshadow what we're going to learn. Shkoyach.